Welcome to Breaking Form, a podcast of poetry and culture. I'm Aaron Smith. And I am James Allen Hall. For those listening for the first time, we do this show in segments. We do literary games. We revisit books that we love. We gossip. We do. We interview. We shade. We laugh. And we are not for everyone. Hey, Aaron. Hey, James. Hey, we've got a kind of serious topic this week. And it's not your hole. <laughs> it's all my hole. It's my hole and Clarence Thomas's tongue. I think it's like nervous laughter always. I'm not nervous, uh-huh. but it's like whatever, like something happens. When something happens, I have to break the tension. And I, and I won't say that in this episode, there's not James and I mocking what we're going to, you know, th- what we're going to share with you with some laughter because that's just the way we deal with stuff. You know, you've heard it's us a on coping the show. mechanism. 300%. Yeah. So when we did the anthology of contemporary misogyny and read Dover bitch, I mean, I'm still laughing because it was James's face. I mean, it was like the most offensive title. Yeah. We, we got to the end of that discussion and I said, Oh, this reminds me of that really creepy Billy Collins poem where he's undressing Emily Dickinson. And then James hadn't heard it. So then we basically did that one, read it, discussed it like we did the Hecht poem, but it didn't fit in that episode. But we think it's like worth bringing to you so you can hear this poem uh, read also. James, like I said, you had never encountered this poem. Uh, yeah. And thank you for doing that to me, Aaron. I really, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a, a box of dead roaches or something. <laughs> Why? Because you, you didn't encounter it? I've never encountered it. And you know, my life was better. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant I was like shaming you for missing a poem. I'm like, no. you, that was like, you oh. were lucky. You were favored. That's in the universe right. By not That's right. It. No. And, but I do want to say that, um, it is a really triggering poem, uh, especially for survivors of sexual assault. So we'll put some resources in the show notes for folks who who need them or want to be there for friends who might need them as well. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel comfortable, you know, like we love you and we'll see you next week. But we also think it's important to sort of speak back. And I'm going to just put it out there. Billy Collins is one of the most what celebrated poets in America. And this poem like just sort of went unchecked. I mean, people did discuss it. I know C.A. Conrad talked about it you know, in various places we, we looked up, but like, I think it's worth pointing yeah. out again. So we're going to point yeah. it out. That's right. All right. See you at the end. Of the it's like that creepy poem where Billy Collins writes about taking off Emily Dickinson's clothes like that. That's like, Ew, what? You don't know this poem? No, read it to me now. I want to boo his. You have well, it. Yeah. You're going to read it. Yeah, I'm going to sneeze maybe first. Ooh, get it right up on my face. <laughs> I'm about ready to. <laughs> okay, so here's the creepy Billy Collins poem that has a 4.2 rating on Poem Hunter. I guess, is it out of five? <laughs> I don't even what? know. A 4.2 stars rating on Does that have a chili pepper too? <laughs> it's like a hot poem, yeah. <laughs> So it's called Taking Off Emily Dickinson's Clothes. Isn't that that creepy? Yeah, it's creepy already. First, her tippet made of tulle, easily lifted off her shoulders and laid on the back of a wooden chair. And her bonnet, the bow undone with a light forward pull. 
than the long white dress, a more complicated matter with mother of pearl buttons down the back, so tiny and numerous that it takes forever before my hands can part the fabric like a swimmer's dividing water and slip inside. Is that really? the whole poem? Please no, tell me no, right no, now no. Oh, that's no, so no, no, no. We're not even there. Yeah, hold on. You will want to know that she was standing by an open window in an upstairs room, motionless, a little wide-eyed. That's so disturbing. Looking I don't want to know. And no, she's not. Yep. Looking out at the orchard below, the white dress puddled at her feet on the Ew. wide board hardwood floor. Okay. There's your symbolism reading that <laughs> um, it is. It's, it's also so, really bad hey, writing. Even even if that's not what he meant, using that language, it's it's yeah. on some level. It's on some level. Yeah, that's all right, I'm saying. Right, right. Yeah. No, the complexity of, of women's undergarments, you know, like in 19th century America, it's not to be waved off. Like, you know, <laughs> this woman <laughs> just didn't give him instant access. He had to actually like, work to take her clothes off, which doesn't seem like, doesn't seem like she's consenting. So is not to be waved off. And I proceeded like a polar explorer through clips, clasps, and moorings, catches, straps, and whalebone stays, sailing toward the iceberg of her nakedness. Later, I wrote in a notebook, it was like riding a swan into the night. But of course, no, yes. done. <laughs> yeah. Of course, of course. I cannot tell you everything, the way she closed her eyes to the orchard, how her hair tumbled free of its pins, how there were sudden dashes whenever we spoke. What I can tell you is it was terribly quiet in Amherst that Sabbath afternoon, nothing but a carriage passing the house, a fly buzzing in a window pane. <laughs> Good one, Billy. So I could plainly hear the inhale when I undid the very top and hook and eye fastener of her corset. And I could hear her sigh when it finally unloosed. The way some readers sigh when they realize that hope has feathers, that reason is a plank, that life is a loaded gun that looks right at you with a yellow eye. <laughs> Like, you know what's crazy is he doesn't so gross. I mean, it's so gross. First of all, they're upstairs and then they're out in the orchard and he's got, you know, what well, she was looking at the orchard. So I'm wondering if uh, he's saying that. Yeah, uh, he's like trying to she's dissociating because it's disgusting because it's disgusting. She yeah. doesn't want to be there. Right? She's like one of our she is the the you know, the beginning of, of American poetry, her and Walt Whitman. And it's like, I yeah. just can't help but read it as he's taking her back. Like he's going to undo her. He's going to own her. He's going to like, you know, yeah, just claim. it's really, yeah. Claim her and, and power her. Yeah. And depower. Her. I'm triggered. Like really. I'm as a survivor of assault. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent problematic. And I, first time I read it, I had to write a, introduction to him coming and giving a reading and i remember i was like and i i went back through the work because i you know i hadn't read him closely and i mm -hmm. and i was forced to do it and it was like oh i was like this is really problematic and then at the end to take her like some of her most powerful poem lines well and that's the and like he doesn't i mean so he's making love the speaker is making love to her no he's fucking her no, he's fucking her. Yeah. He's taking off her clothes. Yeah. And he's talking about the carriage. So 
that's you know um mm-hmm. because i could not stop for death he kindly stopped for me and then we have the fly buzzing when i died mm-hmm. right um and i could not see to see like she's not liking this according to the lines that he's quoting she's seeing death and he also says, like, I hate the way he always he always does this move where he comes back to the reader and sort of like critiques poetry and everybody like grabs a piece of cheese off the fucking cheese table and they eat it and they giggle. Take some Merlot. Yeah, yeah. It's like that fucking those poetry things. But it's like right. so I could plainly hear her in hell when I undid undid the very top, hook and eye fastener, of course, than this. I could hear her sigh when it was finally unloosed. It's like, oh hello, we know what that means metaphorically. And, but she was so ready just to be fucked by him. That's really what it's saying. The way some readers sigh when they realize that hope has feathers. Oh, reason is a plank. This is even that life is a load. Oh, life is a loaded gun. Life's a big dick waiting to fuck you. Well, that's the most egregious of the quotes because that's, um, you know, Adrian Rich has a terrific reading of that poem called Vesuvius at Home, Mm. uh, The Power of Emily Dickinson, where in that poem, right, it's my life had stood a loaded gun until this owner came and swept me up mm-hmm. and took me out to hunt. And did I did I hunt for him? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I don't have um, the power to live or to die because I don't have the power to die. Mm-hmm. I'm just this object. Right. Yeah. And he's treating and Collins's speaker is treating her just like that object. So that's the most egregious of the quotes. I'm sorry. I'm so worked up. Like I can feel my lungs tightening like an anus. He's our most, he's our most acclaimed, you know, American poet. He's the funny poet. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, I think also the fact kind of a dick. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And for me, it's also that methodical recounting. It feels like a victim statement. It really does. You know, the way it's like, tell, tell me what happened. Yeah. And then it's like, he's telling it, but it's still all that. Well, he did this and that. And it's really just sad. Or on, or on the other side, this sort of trophy making. Right? Yeah. 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 Like yeah. here's all the, the women's things that I get to keep from this assault. Oh, that's so true. It's very methodical. Yeah. Like the trophy is very methodical. Mm. Right. And this light pull, he has to say light pull, but like it's, it's divesting her. It's pulling mm-hmm. off her clothes. Yeah. I, you know, fine, whatever. Fuck Billy Collins is what I'm going to say, but, but I can't, can you think of a poem where a woman's taking off a man, a man's clothes like that? The only no. the only thing I can think of is that movie Hard Candy, um, but it's a vengeance story. It's a vengeance story where yeah. the the like this Elliot Page, Elliot is Page, yeah, with, pa- with um Patrick Wilson. I do love Patrick Wilson. He's yeah, he does got and he roles. plays yeah, this she's... creepy ped, yeah. uh, pedo, and um, she allows him to trap her, and he mm-hmm. thinks he's trapped her, and she drugs him and ties him to a um a a bed a table or something mm-hmm. and then like pretends that she's um castrating him mm-hmm. and i love that psychological mm-hmm. terror but this person. is a pat but 
he has rendered Emily Dickinson a passive object of which he is doing this without, I mean, there's no thing like she's relieved. It's like, it's almost like the hysterical woman who they would like say needed to get sex. So she would, you know, quit being so uptight or hysterical, you know, all of that garbage. This is kind of what's wrong with like men writing women, mm-hmm. right? They never give them any kind of say Mm-mm. like she doesn't ever reach for him. Like it, I mean, it, it maybe would be different if there mm-hmm. was some kind of interplay yeah. and he was as much of an object as he's objectifying the other person mm-hmm. and they take turns being objectified. Like yeah. I'm not against objectification necessarily, mm-hmm. right? Like I think that there's an interplay of object, abject, and then sort of identification. Part of the, I mean, part of like, I mean, I think for me, there's a part like when I get off is like seeing men rendered as objects, but I think it's because of the power dynamic. Like, I, I think, think the right. object is sexy to me because these are people who don't give up power and culture and, and not, and all of this for me, like it, it's with consent. All right, everybody. We know that you just sat through that distressing reading and critique of billy collins's poem that really puts the stress in distressing yeah it's really a a tough one and um we can look in the fact check i mean some other poets like had talked about what a problematic poem that is c.a conrad for one had talked about it for a while we can look at that but i thought you know what do we do after that segment to sort of like cleanse and and restore dickinson and i thought David Trinidad edited a deck of cards that were divining poets, the Emily Dickinson version. Ooh. So very much like what we did with Maureen Seaton, I thought I could lay out some Emily Dickinson cards and we could oh. ask a question and then we get her voice back in the world and we sort of take it back from that awful verbal experience of like yeah, undressing her, which is such a such a problematic oh, so, poem. Right? Like we're both like, like bring forth the steel wool so we yeah again yeah and these Um, these cards are phenomenal like david trinidad did them there's like i think we can look this up too i think there's 75 cards in a tarot deck um i know tracy k smith edited one of lucille clifton mm -hmm. i know that um paul muldoon edited i believe the yates one and brad gooch did the roomy one all when david was serving as editor and but david edited the dickinson cards do you have a question that you would like to ask first? And then I can run my hands over the card and we can, mm. um, I have a question. I oh. can, well, you, yeah, you go ahead. Do you want to go first? Question. I just no. been thinking of, of a first question. You go for it. You go. First. Okay. Um, are Billy Collins's balls ugly? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. I feel like answers will point to guess, but let's I, see what Emily has I to just say. Stop. She said, the gym were best unknown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look away, children. Look yes. away. Best unknown. <laughs> hey, there we got some truth. And and we literally pulled this on the spot. This was not like a pre. I literally am rolling around and shuffling them. Oh, okay. All right. So I have a question. Okay. Let me do a little shuffle. Hold on. Yeah. Shuffle, shuffle. Okay. So tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. 
Okay, what's your question? My question is, why did Lavinia burn some of her papers, but not all of them, when she died, as she requested? The absence of the witch does not invalidate the spell. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I think we have to stop. This is that's creepy, isn't it? David's like, they're always so accurate. Like, he's like, there's something when you do them. They're so creepy. That is insane. Oh, my gosh. I have another question. Okay. I want I want to know if Emily Dickinson is mad that James Merrill stole a lock of her hair. Okay. Tell me when to stop. Stop. A modest lot, a fame petite, a brief campaign of sting and sweet is plenty is enough. So a modest lot, a fame petite. (laughs) It's a little bit of lock of hair. Yeah. But I also think she's probably like, whatever. I'm Emily Dickinson. Yeah. And she says she, so she stung him a little bit, right? A brief campaign of sting and sweet is plenty is enough. I love that. So I think yeah, she's like, Emily Dickinson. He's James Merrill. Yeah. And it's just yeah. kind of like, it's plenty. It's is enough. I love it. Yeah. That I don't, I don't know if that lock of hair is still for sale on eBay. I oh, find really? Very strange. Did you know that story? I think you told me once, but you can yeah. tell. So people listening will know. Well, so James Merrill apparently stole, broke into Emily Dickinson's home. Um, in Amherst, and <laughs> I don't mean to giggle. It's like I've been listening to true crime podcasts. True, I'm like, I'm like, in. but she was already dead. So he like elbowed his way through a pane of glass, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, and like broke in with, I guess, a, a few other people, and um, and and took a lock of her hair, and then it like he was in a book that got sold at auction, um, and it got passed down actually first to Sandy McClatchy, which is mm-hmm. the gayest thing ever. Which is J.D. McClatchy for those not in the gay circle. <laughs> right. Yeah. His name is Sandy because Sandy. that's what he had in the crack of his ass. <laughs> and he also played Jobs, John Travolta in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> and Greece was Sandy McClatchy's favorite musical. <laughs> so anyway, and then that got sold. And someone who knew what was in the book, I think, bought it and then mm-hmm. has put the lock of hair. I think maybe two locks of hair. Okay. On eBay. Interesting. So I want to ask another Billy Collins question. Yeah. So since we're sort of restoring Emily's voice, um, what does the future hold for Billy Collins's poetry? All right. To earn it by disdaining it is fame's consummate fee. <laughs> Oh, well done, Emily. (laughs) Wow. Wow, they're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. I want to know if Emily had a great love in her life. Okay. Let me do a little little swirl. And you have to tell me to stop. Give me just a sec. I want to get all the cards in play. That's right. And they're so beautiful. Like her hands are on the backside of the card. Those are really beautiful. Yeah. From the one daguerreotype we have, or maybe we have more than one, but I think. Yeah, I think that's what it's from. Okay. So what do you want to know if she has a great love? I want to know if she had a great love in her life. Okay. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. To be a flower is a profound responsibility. It makes me think that she didn't. 
Yeah. Or maybe to be a flower. I don't yeah. know. To I think she's like, I think she's like, I think she's like, mind your own fucking business. James <laughs> Allen. Maybe. It's really hard to get plucked. Yeah. <laughs> no, not for you. <laughs> not for me. Like for most, you know, for yeah. mortals. Yeah. For mortals. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's great. So yeah, I think that cleanses the energy of what we had to experience with the close reading of that poem, right? That's kind of awesome. I think yeah. so too. Um, yeah. But yeah, because we recorded it back when we did Dover Bitch and we just kept going. But then yeah. we were so repulsed by the poem that we're like, we're not sure what to put with it. And I thought, well, let's just give Emily the final say in the That's voice. Right. Yes, she, always has, she always has the final say. She knows what she's doing. And then she says, here's the last card I pulled just to go out with. To possess is past the instant we achieve the joy. Mm. Mm. That's all we got. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the fact check. Hello. Hey, are you wearing all your clothes? Yes. And all my um, accessories. Good, good. And don't let Billy Collins take them off of you. Uh, ooh, creepy, creepy. So creepy, right? Yeah. I was thinking about the last terror reading, which just actually does fit into the fact check. Welcome to the fact check again. But I was thinking when you asked if she'd ever had a great love and it said something uh -huh. about it's a great responsibility. I, I said if I said it thought at first that she meant she wasn't had never had one. And now I kind of think I read it wrong. I think it means that she had one. I was thinking the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll put in the show notes links to that tarot deck, by the way. So you can go and buy that tarot deck. Um, we'll also link to the offending Billy Collins poem. So you can read it for yourself as well as CA Conrad's takedown of the poem. Um, so I, I found love that, that you found well. that. I love that oh. you found that. I knew oh, yeah. I knew that they had said something. So yeah, well, apparently it's on CA Conrad's blog, but I couldn't find that direct link. Okay. But Phil Metris mm -hmm. links to it from his blog and also has some comments. So I figure hmm. two takedowns for the price of one. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> yes. Uh also in the show notes, if you haven't read Turfy, Adrian Rich's essay on Dickinson, Vesuvius at Home, I'll link to that. Um, and, oh, I guess, I mean, I just wanted to say the hair that James Merrill stole of Emily Dickinson's, the hair that he stole, like, mm -hmm. from her house. It was in a book. Yeah. Um, that is still on eBay and it's going for $450,000 as of this writing. Wow. Yes. I have a strand of Platt's hair. I'm not kidding. I know you do. Isn't that wild? I, it is wild. Yeah. It's um actually in a new poem, but it's, yeah, it's like, so, but I have a strand and it's legitimately hers. Apparently in the Plathaholic world, they know of the of the strands like going really around. yeah like it's sort of a, a known that people have it so it's amazing uh, and the person who gave me some has written about it you know so but i still don't want to say anything but sure yeah. but you wouldn't put it on ebay and sell it for <laughs> no half no. a million dollars well <laughs> <laughs> no obviously not no hard candy is a 2005 film starring elliot page and patrick wilson we mentioned it in the in the show Page stars as Haley Stark. 
and won a slew of awards from that uh, film, including the Austin Film Critics Association for his acting work in the film. Nice. And then I think, oh, I mentioned the daguerreotype of Emily Dickinson. Amherst College holds the only original currently authenticated photograph of Emily Dickinson. Mm. And that daguerreotype was included in Millicent Todd Bingham's gift of Dickinson material to Amherst College in 1956. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Um, She apparently acquired it from Wallace Keep, whose brother, Austin Baxter Keep, received the photograph directly from Lavinia Dickinson sometime in the 1890s. And there'll be some fun little links in the show notes to all that fun little goss. You totally sounded Appalachian. Well, you know Bob's sister, <laughs> Frida, over there by the church. That's how I you feel about kept, it. You just kept going. I loved it. But I feel like, oh, I know that family. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it's so funny. Like, I really kind of feel like I do know Lavinia Dickinson a You're little a bit. Little obsessed with Lavinia. I am a little. I straight up that'd be my drag name but I like it yeah you know. yeah um lavinia and murder lavinia over for a dickinson <laughs> it's just like i she's just kind of fabulous and she was such a good sister except kind of a bad sister she betrayed dickinson by not burning some of her her letters mm-hmm. well emily spoke on that during the show and her and her right. divining deck that's right so I also will link to that whole article about Meryl stealing Dickinson's hair. It's mm. really, it's such a good article. And they really believe that it is true. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, some people believe that Meryl acquired this book that had the hair in it, but they believe it's her hair is what I'm. It can't be authenticated. Okay. Okay. Because um, there's no um, fault, there's no root. Mm. There, it's just hair. Well, there'd be no other existing DNA from her anyway. You have sure. to have the fo- the follicle root. No, but I'm saying to compare to. I I imagine they kind of do have Dickinson's DNA. You think? I mean, they they have letters. I want you to write a poem called Dickinson's DNA. Mm. You're like, I don't want to, but you have to. I'm not going to. Anyway, are. that's our fact check. I'm sure that I'll be cutting a lot of that out. Don't you think? I mean, it's, yeah. it was a chatty fact check, but that's okay. <laughs> don't fact, don't fact shame me. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, do you want me to stop there? Hey, everyone. If you like today's breaking form, please go to the Apple store and review us with five stars. Uh, follow us on Instagram at breaking form pod and be sure to check the show notes for references. And remember, we're not for everyone. Oh my God. I think we have to stop. This is that's creepy. Creepy.